passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in to the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me on the show as always. And we are knee deep in our traditional week previews for college football for the Oregon Ducks. They open the season Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Pacific time kick on ABC against Pac-12 North rival Stanford. First game of the year for both teams. And with that, that means we bring in our Stanford insider of the bootleg.com, RJ Abadia. Uh, RJ, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate the time. And hey, we actually get to talk football now and counting football. Yeah, it's a welcome and uh, long anticipated change. I don't really know that I ever wanted to talk or learn as much about uh, bacterial disease, but <laughs> it's 2020 and here we are. <laughs> What's just been, before we dive into Stanford, um, it's been a lot of Zooms. I'm assuming it's a lot of Zooms for you. Um, what what has been what what's been the, the the month been like for you covering Stanford in a digital world where we can't be fa- you know face to face? So, I mean, we've had dialogues kind of as a group of Pactual publishers, and you know just how much diversity and variance there is from school to school in terms of who gets what and who gets to know what and see what. Uh, Stanford always falls on the more conservative, restricted access side of the spectrum, I think, within the conference in terms of the media availability. But I think they've made a pretty legit effort to make Coach Shaw available. Um, We've had every, not maybe like one every two weeks, we get the coordinators um, we had a whole slew of players this week that we talked to. We had coach Sean Tuesday. We're getting him tomorrow as well. Um, so it, it's been good. I, I mean, it's obviously, it's a welcome boost to content and to just having someone besides me talking about, you know, the AI on the, you know, linebacker recruiting board. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think overall it's been good, obviously, you know, you know, you don't, you don't miss something till it's gone. I think the fact that I haven't laid eyes on the football team literally um, at any point is a little strange. And I think there's a little bit of curiosity going into a game one, even more than you'd get under a normal game one. Yeah. I I hundred percent agree with the curiosity aspect of it's we're in the same boat. We get to go to every practice essentially um, we get to watch a good chunk, the first 45 minutes or so of practice. And while we're not gleaning every little bit of information, uh, there's still plenty of stuff out there to learn. And 
this year it's a little bit different. Um, and you mentioned, you know, gearing up with uncertainty. Stanford, uh, they are a team that's always loaded and they always recruit well for, for them uh, and their program. And I look at this offseason and Paulson Adebo was maybe the program's biggest name coming back from last year. Um, but he's now one of a few players who have either opted out uh, or have, have kind of left the program. Um, can you get us up to speed on just the departures or the opt-outs from this offseason and maybe the impact that brings to the Stanford program? So I would say, and I've, you know, I've, in the, you know, in the radio hits and the, the, you know, the time that I've actually talked to other people about this over the summer, I would say perhaps the most consistently overblown or mischaracterized storyline for Stanford football is the quantity of guys who okay. went into the transfer portal and left. Um, I think when it comes to quality, there's some specific guys who left. I would start with Mike Williams and Joe Von Swan, who were both slated to at a minimum be on the two deep on defensive line, which is a position of huge concern and huge question mark for Stanford heading into this season. Those are basically two starters. And so for those guys to have moved on was significant. Um, as far as the bulk of the players who left, um, I think it's pretty hard looking at Stanford's already outdated two deep, but I think it's hard to say, that any of those guys were going to be a serious threat or many of those guys, there were, there might've been one or two, but it's hard to say that most of those guys would have been any kind of threat to show up on a two deep this year. So I don't think the quantity has been as big a deal. Now losing two potential defensive line starters, losing unquestionably your best cornerback and unquestionably your best offensive lineman in Walker little, those are not things that you can just casually dismiss, especially for a program where, we saw what happened last year when they didn't have their best players available. RJ, that kind of segues into what I was going to ask about. And I think 2019 was the first year under David Shaw where there's not a winning record. They win four games. I remember when Oregon played Stanford, it felt like there were, I don't know, like half a dozen, maybe more guys that were out of the lineup. And I know that was kind of the case throughout the season. KJ Costello was in and out of the lineup. They were changing quarterbacks a couple of times. Was there a sense that like 2019 is kind of a misnomer and an outlier um, and that this year maybe they're kind of being, I don't want to say slept on, but maybe not respected in the manner they should be. And then uh, just a, how healthy is Stanford right now? Well, I, I'll, I'll start backwards, I guess. Um, health wise, it's suddenly not great, but it's <laughs> double negative time. It's, it's not, not great at places that are going to be as catastrophic as last year. Um, right. As far as we know, Stanford's got the offensive line that it expected to have minus Walker Little. So that's going to be um, Walter Rouse, who basically started the majority of the season last year when Walker Little was lost in game one. Um, Barrett Miller, another sophomore at left guard. Drew Dahlman, a senior who I think a lot of people expect to push for kind of all-conference level play. Um, right guard, Branson Bragg, who was the first young guy up last year and actually himself ended up getting hurt in the first game he played. Otherwise I think he'd be more of a household name right now. He's definitely an all conference talent level guy. And then you have Foster Sorrell who came to Stanford 
Stanford as a five-star player and himself has had to deal with injuries. So on the offensive line, they're about as good as they can hope to be. And one of the silver linings that they've been pushing, but their validity to it is those young guys that I just named all got thrown into the mix last year. And you guys, if you just watched the Stanford Oregon game only, you guys saw what that looked like um, to take nothing away from the Oregon defense. But um, those guys collectively have put on about a hundred pounds of weight. Um, And so I think despite the fact that they're sophomores, they've got more experience than you usually expect out of a Stanford sophomore. And they've also now physically acclimated to the game. So it wouldn't surprise me. And I think you're going to hear that phrase a lot as we talk. It wouldn't surprise me to see that group be a strength of the team or certainly take a big step forward this year. Um, We found out on Tuesday that the next man up in terms of the top cornerback on the team, Caillou Kelly, another sophomore, um, is also gone for this week against Oregon and kind of on a week to week status. So Stanford has lost its two best cornerbacks coming into this game. And there's no way to sugarcoat that. I mean, that's not a great scenario for any team, um, let alone a team like Stanford, who was going to be putting inexperienced guys out there to begin with. Um, So that's an issue. They've also lost depth at inside linebacker. Tristan Sinclair and Jacob Mangum Farrar were guys who I think, conservatively expected to show up on the two deep, if not for game one, then by the end of the season, they're both gone for the year. So Stanford's got Curtis Robinson and Ricky Miazon, guys who they feel really good about, but guys who don't have a track record at this point in terms of really strong play at inside linebacker. And then um, on the outside linebacker spot, Gabe Reed was a guy slated to start and he will not be available for this game on Saturday is our understanding. So you've got some young guys on the outside there. And then um, safety, you've got Malik Antoine starting and returning, and you have Kendall Williamson stepping into the strong safety role. But I don't think it's a big secret at this point, if there's a position group keeping Stanford fans up at night, it's the safety spot. And that that group's just got to get better. There's no way to, there's no way to sugarcoat it. So that's basically the lay of the land. As far as Stanford goes, the good news for Stanford, I guess, is on the offensive side of the ball, the guys that they have to have to succeed should be ready to go. RJ Mario Cristobal, the head coach at Oregon and defensive coordinator, Andy Avalos this week spoke ahead of uh, this game and both guys really raved about Stanford's receiving core. Um, I'm going to assume here that they were also including the tight ends, but they specifically just spoke about receivers for us. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily what everyone associates Stanford football with. Um, They, they said that this might be the best receiving core in the PAC 12 or the one that they, that they will face this season. Everyone knows the tight end history. Um, at Stanford and, and that, that they typically have the best group every year. Receiver, though, is a little bit different. What's kind of the, the scouting report? I mean, I, I, I heard that and was kind of, wow, that's really high praise that we typically don't hear about a Stanford rec- uh, receiving core. Yeah, I mean, that is very accurate. Um, and this is actually, I don't expect this to last based on the guys Stanford has coming in. Um, in, well, they, the guys they have in the 20 class in terms of tight ends, but the tight ends are not going to carry a lot of the weight 
this year. They're not going to carry a lot of the production um, for the passing game. I think that's, that's a given. And I think what I would say about the Stanford receiving core is there might not be a single headliner who stands out in terms of just elite all-star type of guy. I don't know if you guys, how far back you guys go, but if you think about a guy like Troy Walters, who you could argue was the best receiver in the PAC 12 by the time he left, I don't know that there's a guy that exceptional, but they've never had a room this deep period. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, when you talk about Connor Weddington, Michael Wilson, Osiris St. Brown and Simi Fahoko, that is a big, fast, physical, skilled group um, who you just have to like in terms of man-to-man and one-on-one battles. And, and basically, if you're talking about the upside for Stanford and the best-case scenario, it's going to include those wide receivers being as dominant as Coach Cristobal and Coach Avalos think that they can be. Um, it still has to show up on the field, obviously. But that group, I mean, you can even go deeper than that. They've got um, Elijah Higgins, um, who made the two deep um, for this week's game. He's a sophomore, big, monstrous type guy, kind of like Devin Kajus' size guy. Um, and then you've also got John Humphreys, um, who is basically the headliner of the 20 class, who I think already is probably the most talented player in that room right now. So they have a group of guys who are going to be a legitimate challenge. I don't think there's any question about that. And, and like you said, it's not what you're used to hearing from a Stanford team, but it's just where the talent has migrated really on, on the roster. Arj, let's talk about the guy who's going to be throwing those players, the football. Davis Mills came in last year. He started half a dozen games, uh, pretty impressive numbers. I think just looking at it, um, he was the number one rated quarterback in the country in 2017, five-star recruit at Georgia. Kind of felt like at the time he was going to be the next great quarterback at Stanford, obviously following in quite the lineage with when you look through the guys that have had their last decade or so. Um, what's, is, is the feeling that he can still be that? I mean, what, what was kind of the impression of him last year? I know last year's season was marred because of uh, the, I guess, disappointment and the wins and loss record. But, but there, do people expect big things from him this year? I think they do. I think both internally and externally, and I can tell you, I mean, dating back since he arrived, um, David Shaw is a huge fan of Davis Mills. And I don't think it's that much of a stretch to say that if Davis Mills had been healthy for throughout his Stanford career, we'd probably be talking about a third year starter at this point. That's how much they like him. That's wow. how good they think he is. And that's kind of the skill that he has. He just, he is that guy. He's that five-star guy. And I think the question marks obviously are the fact he is yet to make it through a season healthy, um, which I don't think you can necessarily fault him for, but you know, for people to not be talking about him, I think that's obviously a big reason why they just haven't seen him. Um, and again, as we were talking about in terms of the best case scenario, the expectations for the ceiling and the best case all hinge on Davis Mills. If he plays six and the seventh game, if they get him for seven games, it's not ridiculous to think that they're going to have a four, five or six win season. When you look at Stanford's schedule and the way things have laid out for them um, without him, I think there's no scenario where they have a winning season. Speaking with RJ Abadia of the bootleg, um, 
We've got a couple more questions. We're going to take a quick break and come back and wrap up this Stanford preview. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. We've got RJ from the bootleg on uh, previewing the Oregon versus Stanford game. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter. Make sure to check out the bootleg.com. We'll get you up to date on all things Stanford football. Um, RJ, I, I think this is another year in which for me, like the natural progression from um, at running back for Stanford, it's always feels like they've got a stud at the position. And when that guy moves on, there's always kind of like a clear cut guy um, to fill in and replace him. Um, is there that guy on this year's team? Is there a stud running back on this year's team, uh, that will be one of the better running backs in the pack 12 and one of the better running backs in the country? I don't know if we're ready to say the country yet, but I know that Austin Jones, um, when he came, when he signed with Stanford, Brandon Huffman, who's a name we all know well, considered him to be the best running back talent on the West coast. And we haven't seen anything to make us think otherwise at this point, he steps in as a sophomore as clearly the starting running back. But I will say that Nathaniel Pete, who is his classmate as well, is going to play a role. I don't know if it breaks down into a two thirds, one third scenario or what intent, what exactly they do with those two guys, but they do feel really good about them. And Austin Jones is, a complete guy. He can, he can do work inside the tackles. He's got some shimmy to him. He's got some speed. He can catch the ball. Um, and Nathaniel Pete is kind of that jet sweep possibility, you know, screen pass guy. Um, and they feel really good about both those guys. So I think they've upgraded their um, coming into this season. The, the big question of course, is just, this is all going to be first time for them. This is going to be their first time as the guys. And so you know they're going to be in the road, but I think Stanford feels really good about where they are in the running back room. And that's before you even get to 
uh, freshman Casey Filkins, who's up from from your guys' neck of the woods, and uh, EJ Smith, obviously guys that they're excited about. And one of the interesting subplots or one of the hints that Coach Shaw's been dropping um, during the offseason is that because of this quote-unquote mulligan year um, that everybody gets – I think you may see more freshmen getting time out there and more and more guys getting a look. So uh, yeah, I think they feel really good about Austin Jones. I think they feel really good about Nathaniel Pete. And um, I think they're, they're, they're in a good spot there. RJ, you mentioned earlier that you haven't physically seen this team. I, we haven't either seen Oregon since like three practices, four practices in March. Um, so I, I think we're probably in the same boat here of just being excited to see this, to see these teams play. Personally, give me like a couple of things, two or three things that you're just going to be watching for uh, on Saturday in particular that, you know, maybe you've got preconceived notions. You're curious to see what will play out and, and kind of just guess what's your focus going to be? I think the first thing we're going to start with just has to be pass protection. Um, it's an, it was an issue obviously last year. And as we've kind of laid out here, Stanford's not going to win if they can't protect Davis mills period. In fact, they're not even going to compete if they can't do that. So, you know, you've got Kayvon Thibodeau. That is quite a, uh, that's a deep end of the pool scenario for game one um, for an offensive line to say nothing about the rest of the duck front seven. So, I'm going to be watching about how consistently Stanford can give Davis Mills clean pockets. Um, I think the second thing I'm going to be watching is the extent to which Stanford can run the ball. Um, I think Stanford built up its success and kind of its reputation as being this power run team. And that just hasn't been the reality the last three to four seasons. They haven't been the team that overwhelms you at the line of scrimmage. They don't win those third and one fourth and one battles that people kind of took for granted over the years. They don't win those goal line battles. And we've been kind of told that the scheme might not be that power run scheme, but they do feel like they're stepping into an identity. So we'll see to the extent to which that's true. And then the last thing for me um, is just the line of scrimmage on the other side of the ball. Um, I know Oregon is replacing a big chunk of their offensive line, but that's still going to be a pretty talented group that they throw out there. And Stanford's defensive line just didn't get the job done last year. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And they, they, they said it themselves. It's not a complicated thing. It's guys have to win one-on-one battles. You got to get to the quarterback. You have to get pushback. And so I think really for me, it's the line of scrimmage on Saturday, you know, win, lose, or draw. I think you really want to see if you're a Stanford fan, okay, to what extent are these guys able to hold the line of scrimmage? Because that's, that was the cornerstone of their success. And that's the biggest thing that's gotten away from them in the last few years. RJ, you maybe just have answered this question, but um, what, what are the, the things or the thing that has to happen for Stanford to win this game? And I guess on the flip side, what's the one thing or the few things that Oregon has to be able to accomplish uh, if they're going to win this game? So for Stanford, I'm going to say one will be a repeat. One will be something new for you. No, the repeat is keeping Davis Mills upright. He's got to play all four quarters. He's got to be healthy. And forgetting about health, he's got to have a clean pocket. He's got to have time. If he has time, he's going to do damage. He's going to find those receivers. Those guys are going to get open. They're going to make plays. If he doesn't, it's just really hard to negotiate around that in terms of the way Stanford is constructed. The other thing I would say is turnovers. Um, 
you guys obviously remember the game two years ago um, in Eugene, and that game swung on on a big turnover play that Stanford got. It's hard for me to imagine Stanford winning on Saturday without either being plus in the turnovers or getting a singular play like that that kind of tilts things in their favor. So I think for them, those would probably be the two things off the top of my head. Um, I think for Oregon, um, what I'm looking at is one of the themes of Stanford's schedule this year is that in five of their six games, they're getting first-time starters. So how much of a shakiness orientation period is there for Oregon's quarterback um, to start the game? How many first-game mistakes does Stanford get from a team playing its first game? Uh, and how many do they capitalize on? So for Oregon, I think it's the number one thing is just being clean. If Oregon's clean, they should probably win this game. Um, The second thing um, for the Ducks, the last thing I'll just say is kind of the flip of what I said about Stanford. But I think guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and, you know, individual guys for Oregon who are capable of tilting things and making plays and disrupting on their own how many of those new guys are ready to step into the roles that we saw from the playmakers that they had last year? RJ Mario Cristobal won't say this, but the fan base certainly will. It's basically six wins or bust in the regular season for Oregon. I, I predicted they would win five games and lose to Cal. And I heard quite an earful from, from our, our duck territory posters. Um, Cause that wasn't what they were hoping to hear. Um, so obviously a loss to Stanford for Oregon would disrupt that. It would make it difficult, basically make it impossible to make the playoff make things more challenging in the North. What does this game mean for Stanford on Saturday? And I know Oregon is a 10 point favorite here, but what does a win mean? What does a loss mean? A win means that you can start to consider that ceiling for Stanford. You can start to really talk about a five or six win season, to be honest with you. If you look at the rest of their schedule and what's, what's there for them. I mean, certainly there are some challenges with Cal and Washington, but if you're talking about a season where you have to make three tough road trips being Berkeley, Eugene and Seattle and getting all three of those games in empty stadiums. And then a season where you're getting Colorado as your Pac-12 South crossover. And then you have Oregon state and Washington state as your home games. If they beat Oregon, then you're going to hear a lot of sky's the limit talk coming off the other side of that. A loss I think is kind of status quo to be honest with you I mean I don't think a lot of people are expecting Stanford to win I am expecting Stanford to play a lot better than I think most people are um, ready to say that they're going to go in and that I think I think the way they play is going to be crucial I think if they play well in a loss that's a team that can look at themselves and say okay We've got some things here. We can move forward. If they get blown out of the building, that's going to be a problem because it's just hard to, it's hard for that first game when you spend so much time preparing for one game. If you play poorly, it's hard to bounce back, Um, especially in a season where you don't have 11 more games to do it. RJ, we'll, we'll get you out with this one. Um, David Shaw, I, I think, is the dean of the Pac-12 right now. Um, longest tenured head coach in the conference, uh, if, if my memory is correct. And I have no doubt that his seat is 
completely cool. Um, like he, there's no reason to, to worry that, that he is on the hot seat at all, but considering he had his worst year last year, um, how important is it from just a long-term, you know, three, four year out perspective for Stanford to get back on track? Or is this kind of a year in which, Hey, look, it's COVID it's a shortened season. Uh, there, it, it, everything is, is different this year. Uh, wins and losses aren't as important as they typically are in, in, in a normal year. Uh, or, or is this a year in which the program needs to get back onto that winning side of football? I think it's very important for them to put a strong product on the field in these six games. Um, I think in terms of coaching stability, yeah. I mean, if, you, if I'd have to concoct what it would take for David Shaw to be in job jeopardy based on performance. That's a long, long conversation. That's a big, big list of bad things that would have to happen. But as far as the program goes, you know, we're talking about, if you look at this senior class, which is the 17 recruiting class, which, which was kind of the last elite recruiting class that they brought in that group, when they were high schoolers watched Stanford go to two Rose bowls, playing another bowl, uh, playing bowls all year on all those games, but they watched them go to two Rose Bowls. Um, their Stanford careers have been Sun, let me see if I can get this right, um, Sun, Alamo, Sun, and none. So when you're talking about the class of 21 and 22 and 23, you know, you're talking about Stanford's success having occurred when they were like third graders. So I think it's important for them to reestablish who are and what they can be this year. I don't think that they can just gloss off a bad showing this year coming off a four and eight season and just dismiss it as no big deal business as usual. So I think there are some stakes, I think for, for this team and for the trajectory of this program. No question. He is RJ Abadia of the bootleg.com. You can read his work and get yourself more prepared for what we will see on Saturday by reading it. Uh, within the 24-7 Sports Network. And if you are a subscriber to DuckTerritory.com, you have no worries of being able to uh, read his stuff or not. It's it's included in our subscription. It's just like our stuff is included in uh, Stanford fans' perspective and their membership over there. Um, you guys can read both sites. I highly encourage you guys to go check out RJ's work on the bootleg and get yourself familiar with the Stanford Cardinal because we got a game on Saturday. Uh, RJ, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate the time. Uh, and hopefully we get a good game on Saturday that we both can walk away from learning uh, a ton of information about both teams. Absolutely. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.